Hello, internets. This is Adam Brinkerhoff, uh, co-founder of Space United with my other co-founder, Troy Dunn. We are in a couple different places in Colorado today. Uh, Broomfield and uh, Troy's at our corporate headquarters in Arvada. Uh, say hello, Troy. Hello, everybody. So today we are talking about how to improve Earth transportation with imagery satellites, and that probably sounds like quite a bit, um, but we think that you'll find it interesting, and hopefully you'll know a little bit more about it uh, by the time we're done. Uh, so uh, just stay with us, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that, and then uh, take some of your questions at the end. So let's jump right into it. Uh, today we're going to lead off with our interview. Uh, a gentleman named Abhijit Kumar is... Um, kind enough to join us today. Uh, welcome, Abhijit. Hello, everyone. So Abhijit is a graduate student, um, specifically a research assistant at CU Boulder. He's about to graduate with his master's here in a few weeks. Uh, he's also spent some time at NASA, specifically at JPL out in California, and uh, he is doing some work in uh, the area of the topic of our podcast today. Um, so uh, we're going to ask him a few questions about that and uh, just get his thoughts on how satellites can be used for um, transportation. So Abhijit, to start off with, um, what is your research doing with regards to improving roads? So our research was funded by the Department of Transportation, by the Federal Department of Transportation, and some part of it was funded by the Colorado Department of Transportation. So basically every year, these Department of Transportations, they spend millions, if not billions of dollars in doing road surveys throughout the country. Now, what these road surveys basically do is that they are basically driving a truck, although a sophisticated truck with a lot of instruments, especially a laser instrument, which is basically looking at the road as they are driving on the road and basically looking for potholes and roughness of the road. Because internationally and conventionally speaking, roughness, roughness of the road is regarded as one great parameter for assessing the road quality. So the more of the road is, it's considered bad quality road. So what they do using that laser is, it's basically a, you can think of it as a small version of a laser altimeter. So what they're, which is operating at a very fine distance, at very fine level of accuracies. So they are measure, measuring the roughness. Now, as you might expect, this whole process is very tedious, very time consuming, and very manpower uh, consuming. So. A few years ago, somewhat at Department of Transportation thought that, hey, we could probably use some, 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 some help with the satellite industry. Maybe we can use satellite imagery or we can use SAR imaging to assess the quality of roads. And that is why they consulted Dr. Emery at the Department of Aerospace Engineering here at CU Boulder, who specializes in remote sensing. And Dr. Emery gladly accepted a, a research contract from them. And, they, and Dr. Emery had some students working for him. I was one of those students. So basically what we do is that we, Digital Globe is our imaging partner, Digital Globe here in Colorado, one of the biggest providers of satellite imagery in the world. So they take, they take uh, fine resolution imagery of the state of Colorado. By the way, we were only supposed to do state of Colorado for the, as, a, as a pilot project. Mm -hmm. So they take uh, high resolution satellite imagery for the state of Colorado. Now our work begins from there. We purchase the images from them. The, uh, once we get the images, uh, we basically have to find out an algorithm because Digital Globe will only provide us raw imagery, right? From there, our work starts. We have to develop an algorithm which will basically identify the roads in the images. First of all, uh, like we have to we have to wash away all the pixels which belong to trees and houses and airports. Uh, we even have to build enough sophistication in the algorithm to detect to detect asphalt. Uh, 
from concrete because we are basically concerned about only the asphalt quality, not concrete. So we detect, we first of all detect roads, and in roads we detect asphalt. And in asphalt we detect the non-paint, the non-car, and the non-sign pixels because even on road we've got so many pixels which are just wasted due to cars on the road or the paints uh, or the paint signs or the road signs. So once we have eliminated all the things which are unnecessary for, from our research standpoint, we basically extract those pixels one by one, and then we what we generate is called a reflectance spectrum. Now reflectance spectrum can vary depending on what time of the day it is, but usually we have we have enough sophistication built into our algorithm which can take care of all those things which can which can put all those things solar incidence angle time of the day. Um, humidity in the air, air density, temperature of the air, everything is accounted for. And after that, what we get is pure raw data about the reflectance spectrum of each pixel. I mean, uh, a reflectance spectrum which is constituted of data from each pixel. So narrower this reflectance spectrum, that means the reflectivity of the overall road has a certain has a certain fix. It's a high precision. It's a high precision data. But if it is broader, if it slowly becomes a low precision data, which simply means that there are lighter and darker patches on the road. Now, to a human eye, this sounds very easy to detect. Like you can just drive on the road and say, "Hey, this is a bad road." But teaching a computer how to do that through image processing requires a whole new level of smartness built into algorithms. We spent months and months refining our algorithm, and by the end of it, which was earlier this year, by April, we were able to detect road qualities. And once we are able to do that, we have to go back to that same raw image given to us by Digital Globe and overlay a map onto it. Like all the roads, first of all, are marked. The, the bad portion of the road is marked red. The fair portion is marked yellow. And the good portion is marked green. So that's basically what our research is, like helping Department of Transportation better assess the quality of roads. And in, 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 in turn, they, they, are, they become efficient at maintaining the quality of roads. So that's, that's really interesting. Thanks for that uh, explanation. And, and just for the sake of our uh, viewers and listeners out there, I think it's important to note that sometimes uh, with space technology, it may seem um, that something so far away or something seemingly so expensive uh, wouldn't be very efficient. Like a lot of times people think of the solutions that are right in front of them. So like you were saying, um, road crews on these trucks and they use the lasers, um, that's easier to wrap your head around because it's right there in front of you. Um, but uh, sometimes the, there's a better solution out there. You just kind of have to think uh, by the box, or in this case, uh, outside of the surface of um, the Earth. Um, so for, for people that aren't familiar with um, imagery, uh, they might say, oh, well, a satellite's really expensive, and it's also very far away. Um, so how, how could it possibly see a road with enough detail um, to, to be able to do the type of uh, analysis that you're doing? So could you tell could you tell us a little bit more about um, just the the clarity that you can see from the satellite image? Mm -hmm. So uh, like like most of the remote sensing satellites, the satellites through which we got our image data, uh, they gave us it in two different in two different flavors. So one of the flavor of the imagery is called multispectral, and the other one is called panchromatic. So basically, in a layman's in, in layman's world, I can say that panchromatic is a black and white data, and multispectral is colored images. Now, people might wonder as to why do we need black and white images at all when we can get colored images? Because it's 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 basically governed by 
basic laws of physics, especially optical physics, because you can you can get only so much in in whether spatial resolution or spectral resolution. So spectral resolution basically means what is the color, what is the wavelength of the photons that you're receiving, and spatial resolution means how small an object can you basically detect in an image. So you can if you if you increase your spatial resolution, you'll have to go down on your spectral resolution. That is why if we have to see very small objects on the road we have to limit ourselves to black and white images. If you want to see the color of the images, you'll have to restrict yourself to bigger objects on the ground. There's only, it's a, it's a trade-off, right? So what we do is that for the, for the well, images, the, uh, the resolution that we get is more than a meter. So that basically means uh, something, an object which is smaller than a meter, we cannot detect its color. And for the, for the panchromatic, our resolution is 46 centimeter, which basically means an object as small as 46 centimeters on the road will show up as, as one pixel on the image. But obviously, you cannot detect its color, its wavelength. So we, 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 we do a process which is called pan sharpening, which is basically taking these two images and basically overlaying them with each other. So multispectral goes on top of panchromatic. And in the end, it's a sophisticated process. Again, it's an image processing step. And in the end, what we get is a pan-sharpened multispectral image. So we get both the color information as well as, the, as, as well as the spatial resolution. So now you get color information for an object as small as 46 centimeter. So people, people usually in everyday, in everyday life think of like if there's a solution which exists on the ground, if we can just have two guys drive a truck and, and get the survey done, that, that sounds like a much simpler and easier and efficient uh, uh, solution to this problem, but if the same thing has to be done for a, for a large area, for a state, or even for a country, then slowly the cost adds up, and at some point, uh, using just satellite technology becomes a much easier and much simpler way, way forward. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that, especially after your explanation, but uh, it's one of those things that you have to take the time to run the numbers and, and compare them, uh, right. which is, is great that you guys are doing that. Um, so uh, with your knowledge, um, just to give the, our listeners some uh, context, uh, outside of um, road analysis, which is your specialty, um, what, what else have you heard about in terms of ways that um, satellites, whether it's imagery or, or other ways, are, are improving uh, transportation, whether it's roads or um, other forms of transportation? Mm -hmm. So. Uh uh, a few weeks ago, I was reading an article on the internet which basically claimed that even today we do use satellite imagery to to help airlines decide what routes to fly, but but the algorithms and the level of sophistication that these airlines use in their algorithms uh, for 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 basically calculating what route to take is not is not up to is not up to the level of satisfaction that one would expect, especially because such algorithms do exist, such level of sophistication does exist in other fields. So what we can basically do is that I can foresee in the coming in the coming half a decade or even a decade is that what I can see is that airlines will be using a much more sophisticated algorithm which has much better image processing capabilities so that we can see the fine differences, very fine differences in in basically the brightness in the digital numbers in, in the images that we obtain. Now what these digital numbers will basically, digital numbers are basically the values held by each pixel in a remote sensing image. So what these digital numbers will basically tell us is the difference in the same image as taken on a given particular day as compared to taken on, a, on an ideal day. 
So what that will basically tell us is the suspended particulate matter in the air, the SPM density. So once you get once you get the smoke density or the particulate density in the air, then you can basically calculate what would be the additional drag experienced by your aircraft flying that route. You know, so basically, if if this entire practice is adopted by the airline industry around the world, we probably end up saving billions of dollars for humanity every year just by just by calculating what route to take and what not, what route not to take. Because basically, airlines what they do is that they they fly the great circle, the shortest route. Plus minus a few kilometers to to save to save fuel depending on what the density of the air is. But if we but if we add this added sophistication, like if this sophistication is added to the system, then we are probably going to save like billions of dollars more and basically resulting in cheaper, more efficient transportation. Yeah, and it's something that affects everyone. I mean, not only are there direct effects on uh, airline uh, ticket prices. Mm -hmm. um, but also in terms of fuel consumption, exactly. uh, I mean, airlines are one of the biggest both consumers of fuel as well as um, polluters in, in terms of the, the ozone and, and whatever um, your thoughts are on climate change. Um, and so that obviously in turn um, uh, affects the, the overall global uh, oil economy and, and prices there. And so um, just like with everything, especially something as obviously um, international as as air travel, it it connects to uh, everyone and everywhere in terms of different economies and different um, resources. So, right, just just um, with better image acquisition and image processing, we can we can reduce the uh, a big chunk of carbon footprint of the entire airline industry around the world. Fascinating. Um, well, I'm gonna give Troy a chance to um, either uh, ask a question or add a comment. Troy, do you have anything to? Um, to share or to ask with uh, Abhijit? Yeah, what, um, you said that uh, by April you were able to start to get um, enough feedback from the algorithm that you guys had, had developed. Um, when did you guys actually get started on on this and is this something that's being done um, in other states uh, or is this just something that's in Colorado right now? So this project at University of Colorado started in the August of 2012 and uh, it officially ended actually in July of this year. Although some some extension work is still being done on that for other states because uh, our team and especially Dr. Emery has spoken to a lot of Department of Transportation around 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 the United States and few states uh, have expressed interest in that. Um, I'm actually not at liberty to discuss the names of those states because mm -hmm. right now right now it hasn't uh, we haven't struck a deal or anything. But sure. A lot of states haven't in expressed interest in that, and soon, in like five or six years, this might become an, like a bread and butter thing for all the Department of Transportation. They are basically doing their uh, initial road surveys, uh, road quality assessment by these satellite images, and not by having trucks being driven by guys. You know, is is the hope that you would um, be able to use your algorithm to identify problemed areas and then have the road crews assess those problem areas specifically to make the most out of the human resources available? Um, could you repeat that question again? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, after a state um, were to go through using uh, your algorithm and acquiring the satellite imagery and, and, and processing the data, is the idea then to send um, human resources out to the areas that you've identified as problem areas, and, and that way you, you mitigate the actual amount of time that the human resources are being spent uh, in the field? Oh, yes. Oh yes, this uh, this uh, this entire step of using satellite images for road quality assessment is never meant to be a substitute for actual inhuman inspection of the roads. It's, mm -hmm. it's 
just meant to be a precursor so that we can eliminate the extra hours spent doing the same that. For example, if right now we are spending, say, $10 billion on road quality assessment by, by physical manpower, maybe the goal would be to cut it down to just $2 billion. So in the in the end, we, are, we still have people going out and checking the roads. It's just that they are checking the red marked roads, the bad quality roads, which is spit out by our algorithm first. And maybe the green ones become the lowest priority, you know. That's great. That's great. Adam? So lastly, we like to do this with all of our guests, and especially in your particular field of expertise, but um, you have a good idea of the state of the technology and, and maybe where it's headed in the near term, but if you were able to be in control of um, an unlimited budget, uh, an unlimited time frame, um, where would you take the, the resources and, and put them in terms of a new way or an existing way, but maybe in an expanded form uh, of improving transportation with with uh, space technologies, satellites, or otherwise. Uh, although I'm an although I'm an engineer by training, but I'm a scientist at heart. So uh, educating people and inspiring and motivating people has always been very close to my. To my heart. So, uh, if I had an unlimited budget and if I had things my way, I would probably spend a, I would probably spend a larger chunk of dollar money on, on basically inspiring and motivating people to, 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 to see the potential in otherwise unrecognized fields such as remote sensing. Uh, for example, a few years ago, NASA organized an international citizen science, if I may call it, uh, initiative called Earth Camp, Earth Knowledge Acquired by Middle School Students, where students basically had the offer. I was actually a coordinator back back home in my country, India. I was I was basically giving, I was basically managing and organizing the process where students could basically log in. Each one of them will get a each one of them will basically get a unique code. They would log in and see the map of the Earth, and they they can basically uh, put a pointer anywhere on the globe and say, "I want a picture of this area." And there was actually a camera fixed on on the on the on the belly of International Space Station, a high-resolution camera which would take images and send it down to those students just for fun. You know, you can do any any kind of science that you want to do with it, or just for fun, or just to see how your area looks like. You can select you can select a square like it, it was probably 15 kilometers by 20 kilometers, or you you could also you, I think you also had the capability to change those dimensions. But anyhow, students got the students got the opportunity to take a picture of a spot on Earth from space, and and I think in my in my personal opinion. It, I, I've done many citizen science initiatives in my life because that was my previous job. I was a, I was an I was into space outreach. Uh, I think that project gave me the highest level of satisfaction because I could just see those students. I I'm pretty sure that out of those hundred students that I had like taken care of during that project time, I'm, I'm pretty sure at least five of them will take up a science a STEM career later on. Great. Well, uh, definitely a, a worthwhile endeavor in terms of. Um, expanding the interest and um, the, the hands-on um, involvement of, of students of all ages. So uh, mm -hmm. sounds good to us. Well, uh, Abhijit, thank you for your time. Um, if you'd like to cool. hang out, uh, we may have some questions uh, from the, our listeners and, and viewers later on. Um, mm -hmm. But for now, let's move on to a quick shout-out to our sponsors. All right, so um, really quickly, we just wanted to give a um, quick thanks to, to these four sponsors. We have several um, on our uh, website that you can check out, and you're welcome to apply 
for our sponsorship program as well. If you'd like to get featured on uh, future podcasts and um, websites and, and so on and so forth. Um, but for today, we have uh, AGI Digital Globe, Space Foundation, and Uingu. Uh, AGI does some great uh, satellite and other um, type of uh, software so that you can model different um, activities, whether it's missions or if you're designing a new technique, um, it's a great three-dimensional package uh, for you to do that. Uh, Digital Globe, Abhijit mentioned uh, before, is a, a satellite imagery provider. It's actually the biggest in the world, and I believe they um, recently launched and are currently testing their newest imagery satellite uh, called Worldview 3, uh, so keep an eye out for new developments with that. Um, Space Foundation is a great organization based right here in Colorado, up uh, in Colorado Springs, and we've worked with them a couple different times. They do a lot of what Abhijit mentioned at the end of our interview, which is um, education-based initiatives, but they also hold an annual meeting uh, for the whole industry uh, called the Space Symposium, um, and we all get together and um, make deals and talk about the state of the industry and how to improve it moving forward. Uh, and finally, Uingu uh, is an organization that supports science research based on donations from uh, their community, uh, specifically through naming exoplanets and Mars craters and sending messages to Mars and doing all sorts of cool stuff. So they are having a special uh, campaign over the holiday season where you can give the gift of a Mars crater or exoplanet name to a loved one, um, and it's a really cool way to... Um, commemorate them and, and to appreciate them and, and to share that um, on uh, whatever holiday that you are celebrating. Um, and that map uh, that's created with those names is actually the one that's going to be used by Mars One uh, as well as other exploration uh, organizations moving forward. So check out all those industries or those uh, organizations rather. Um, tell them that we sent you and um, we just appreciate the work that they do. So now uh, Troy and I are going to spend a little bit more time just talking about other ways um, that uh, we can improve and are improving uh, transportation using space technology. Uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea of uh, ways outside of what we've talked about thus far. Um, so as you might imagine, um, it's a pretty chaotic environment right after a natural disaster happens. So one of the things that uh, is really difficult for um, aid workers is to find the best way to get to um, the people in need. So, for example, back a few years ago with the Japanese earthquake and tsunami, um, it was, in a lot of places it was a very um, developed and, and had good transportation infrastructure, but unfortunately, because of all of the debris and water that um, came on land, it was really difficult to know which um, roads were passable and, and others which were not. So that's when satellite imagery came into play. Uh, it was very easy for people to see, oh, uh, there's debris on this road, oh, uh, this other road is, is free, uh, it's clear. So that was one way that uh, it was used to help with aid workers um, getting to disaster areas as quickly as possible. Uh, next up we have stormwater mitigation, and Troy's going to tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, satellite imagery can also be used uh, in stormwater mitigation uh, efforts here on Earth, which uh, can obviously benefit uh, transportation if, if you're aware of what stormwater mitigation is. But uh, essentially, it, uh, it, it is what it sounds like uh, when there are storm events uh, on our planet. There's often 
storm water associated with those and, and that can be uh, heavy amounts of water moving through an area that aren't normally there. Um, that water can carry all kinds of different um, pollutants uh, and materials in it depending on the uh, rainfall event taking place and so uh, satellite imagery can, can be used uh, all over the, the world to help assess uh, the land uh, and, and how to help uh, channel that water as as it passes through and uh, this is something that we have looked at using satellite uh, for in the past already in Cambodia uh, and and how um, that affects transportation and, and specifically some some dirt roads that are in the area that get washed out uh, seasonally and so the satellite imagery uh, that we provided to uh, another charity here in Colorado Lightbridge International uh, is is going to help uh, determine you know some of the best places to, to build and develop those those uh, those roads uh, speaking of new road construction so as Troy very well segued we'll go with it um, we um, also have seen uh, the, the need for roads in developing parts of the world. Um, a lot of us uh, in the developed world, like the U.S., uh, take that for granted in the sense that um, most of the time when we want to go from one place to another in our local city or state, um, that there's a road that very um, effectively or efficiently gets us from point A to point B. Uh, but unfortunately, there are a lot of parts of the world that, that just isn't the case. Um, and in fact, beyond that, uh, when things like uh, not even unique natural disasters, but just regular weather systems, uh, so for instance, monsoons, uh, they can often uh, wash out some more rudimentary um, infrastructure when it comes to transportation. And so it's very important for um, uh, developers, uh, nonprofits or, or, or governments to know um, where people are and, and how a new road might be able to um, help them. Um, and so, like I mentioned before, we worked uh, with a group in, in Cambodia, like Troy mentioned, Lightbridge International, um, and that's an area where they have dirt roads, um, but they do get washed out during monsoon season, and so they're, they're considering and, and planning a uh, paved road construction. Um, but before you do that, you want to know where are the people in the village, uh, what's the best way to um, assist them uh, and, and provide a road that is easily accessible for, for everyone in the town or in the village. Um, so that's where satellite imagery comes in. Again, you can very quickly see the huts of um, different uh, houses. You can see um, maybe a, a school or a nearby road, um, so you, you don't want redundant transportation. Um, and then you can use all that information to plan the best location um, and uh, the best grading, for instance, of a, a road uh, in a village um, or across a longer distance as well. Um, so that's what we mean when we say new road construction. How about aircraft traffic control, Troy? Yeah, thank you, Adam. Well, we talked about uh, air traffic control a little bit earlier. Abhijit uh, mentioned that uh, it can be used, imagery can be used to uh, identify locations. And um, while that's already being done, there are systems in development and, and talk about uh, building the support for uh, better aviation tracking through the use of space systems. And um, 
Uh, one way that uh, we've seen recently, actually, which which goes into the last point as well. We've got just a couple minutes here, but um, Stacy Whittle, the uh, senior lead for the communications of NASA's uh, Severe, put together a, a wonderful video uh, recently about. Um, communicating with ships at sea and, and how the International Space Station uh, has uh, an antenna essentially on it that, that helps with that and, and different ways that um, you know space technologies beyond uh, imagery but communication satellites and, and so on down the line can be used to improve um, you know communications and, and other efforts on, on Earth uh, specifically in, in humanitarian but both air traffic control and um, ship patterns and, and ship traffic control can be uh, improved from from uh, imagery and, and from different uh, technologies that, that are provided from space. All right, so um, before we wrap up today, uh, as always, we'd like to ask everyone out there a few questions and, and give them uh, a chance to ask questions of their own. Um, oh, my, like my third question didn't make it. Oh, it's um, open-ended. <laughs> it's, it's a very vague, just whatever you're feeling at the moment. I think I remember what I did, though. So anyway, um, use the hashtag Space United um, in your tweets, or you can um, contact us a variety of other ways through Google Plus and uh, our own website, spaceunited.org. Um, but the questions for today are very similar to the ones we asked Abhijit. Um, how have you seen uh, transportation improve? Maybe... It's a, a version of one of the topics we talked about that has directly affected you or someone you know or even something that we didn't mention. Um, the second question would, would be, if it's not listed here, uh, would be uh, what is an area that you have not seen uh, space technology utilized but, but you think uh, it should be um, uh, improved using that technology? And then very similarly, if it was all up to you, uh, how would you use Space tech, and it can be anything from um, transportation via space, uh, so trips to the moon or Mars, um, or uh, ways to use, like we mentioned before, imagery satellites, communication satellites, or any other space technology. You can even include like a UAV or a um, high altitude weather balloon. Um, so be creative. We want to hear uh, what you have to say, and, and we want your ideas um, so that maybe uh, we can consider them in our future work using uh, space technology for humanitarian initiatives. Uh, and then lastly, uh, if you have any questions for us or for Abhijit, uh, let us know. We probably won't have time today to answer uh, any of them, but uh, we are happy to field them throughout the, the coming month. Um, so if you're hearing this uh, after our original broadcast, uh, feel free to tweet us uh, or contact us through our website, and we will get back to you uh, directly from, from one of the two of us. So uh, on behalf of Troy and Abhijit, thanks so much for listening and watching. Uh, have a great happy Thanksgiving for those of you that are celebrating it, uh, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody.